Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Jordan Nasberg. Jordan is the head bowling coach at Arizona State University. Jordan, it's Tim Berg and Coach K, Steve Klemkin. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me again. It's been a couple of years. Oh, come on, Jordan. It hasn't been that long. Well, you guys over the weekend, uh, and not too long ago, you guys um, you guys won your first Tier 1 tournament in, in nine years, Jordan. So let's talk about that and what fell into place for you guys up in Vegas. Well, first, um, I'm home right now. I have a back problem, and I'm using a walker. So um, the team being mature, we have Chase Nadeau, and we got Nick Devlin back, two, two veterans that, that I can trust unconditionally with Matt, Matt Zweig, who's a senior. And um, we did the tournament over FaceTime, and I actually coached it that way. It was a wonderful thing, actually. It worked really well because it kept me engaged, kept the team engaged, and, and our communication skills were, were second to none. I, I mean, I've coached some great teams before, but th- this weekend was like the pinnacle of my coaching career, I feel. You you actually coached them over FaceTime? Say that again? Yes, uh, over FaceTime. Uh, the sixth man held uh, the phone. I watched every shot, talked to each guy after each frame or when needed. Um, the end of each game, we had meetings. We, we, we were just a total team, and they were doing everything possible to make it easy on me to help them and then I really didn't need to help them. They just went on cruise control once everything fell in place. Was, was that the first time you've ever tried, you know, coaching like that? Because I've never heard of that happening in, in college bowling uh, ever. Yeah. Actually, it's the first time I've ever done that with them. I, I, like with Jacob, when he's out there in his early days on tour, or, or um, uh, Haugen, uh, our prep and reviews, and even Andrew Kane, uh, we used to talk over the phone. Because a lot of a lot of my coaching comes from how we communicate more than how they bowl or what's going on. It's all about uh, whether we connect. Because I'm I I trust my bowlers. I don't care if it's wrong if what we try, but I have enough confidence in them to do whatever they need to. So with that, I just need to hear them over the phone and hear what their concerns are, and I'll get them over it. The rest of them, they know what to do. Yeah. So talk about some of that senior leadership. You kind of alluded to a little bit already but let's talk about how are they impressing upon lane play and tournament play and practice and how they how bowlers are conducting themselves to the younger guys well they're doing great actually um matt's way who, who worked so hard i mean he, he's never been the top person on the team uh he came in we had ben uh campfield now the coach at uh, grand county university we had russ Oviet, who just won a regional beat jacob butter off obviously um and Ben and Jacob and 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 um, Russ, they were all part of the, the CBA team that we put together with Algen and Andrew Kane. So a lot of uh, my coaching comes from guys who had been through my system or been my friend or I've coached for years, and they've helped them relate to me a lot easier. Um, we have Brian Macon, who coaches the team back east and actually coached when we won the national championship two years, two years ago. Um, there we have a team manager now with, um, Michael Dragon and we even brought in Farron Schneider from, uh, um, 
Saginaw State Valley. Uh, she came down and helped my JV team. So we got a lot of great people in place, and they all worked so hard together. And they helped the next person in, which is now the freshman. And our freshman is probably one of my best recruiting classes ever. Um, are doing great uh, relating to that. And it helps when you have someone as great as Chase they do uh, behind them. And then former Rookie of the Year in college, Nick, Nick Devlin came back. And Nick and, and Chase pulled next to each other for their entire year together. So it was just, it was just a pleasure uh, the last month uh, seeing this all develop and turn into something really special. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of good, not even really good, I'd say great and fantastic players uh, in Phoenix, you know, we had the Cortez Shank, for example, he was on one of our recent podcasts and you look at the Josh Blanchards and Stu Williams and Jacobs and, and the list goes on and on. What is it about bowling? And is it the program in, in Phoenix in general has attracted all these players? It seems like you've got really something special going on down there bowling wise. Yeah, it's actually, um, when I moved out here in 99, how can follow a few years later? And, and we had Andrew Kane uh, develop in there too. And it's just the whole Phoenix town. You have Jim Pratt. I mean, we have so many people, and it mm. seems like we all work together, and we're all one big family, at least on the road <laughs> together. <laughs> all mm. local stuff happens, <laughs> though. But, I mean, it's just uh, we all practice together. Uh, we work together. At Kyle King, too, just got rookie here in the region. Uh, yeah, he was my right. assistant coach last year. Um, Dave Leverage, who was another bowler of the year in the region. Uh, he coached goes on and for on. a year. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's just a great place to be in Phoenix. It really is. So, Jordan, when it comes to um, when it comes to lane play, what's probably the the thing that you work with your your team on the most? I mean, I know I've been to and attended a couple of your practices. You guys practice sometimes late at night, early in the morning, on on when the the lights are out, when the lights are on. That stuff doesn't matter to you. Is that mm-hmm. that part of your your philosophy is to get them used to any scenario they can be in, so that nothing is going to frazzle your team? Well, exactly. I mean, I'm going to bother them more than anything. Uh, so if you can get through me being there, the lights being off or anything else, uh, really doesn't matter in that, in that result. Plus, the way I coach, I teach more people how to bowl than how they bowl. I mean, I, the big problem of the modern-day game, I feel, is that people make moves based upon a shot or two or, or, or how a pattern plays. And my guys, I teach them basic moves that don't put them in check or checkmate two moves later. So they all basically make the same type of moves and they turn them into their own moves as they go or a little touch feel and adjustments that they need to do to get through a game. So that way they can use a fill ball or start the next game differently. And it's just the way that they play together, they all understand the certain moves. And with those moves, I mean, especially with fair patterns like Nick Huglin, I love when he puts a pattern out because you always know you have to make a shot and that they're going to develop somewhere throughout the day. Just don't hurt yourself while, while it develops. So in, in the past, I wasn't so big on shooting spares and doing things in practice because I expect the bowler to do that. But now with, with the progression of all the people throughout the years that coach, they, they come in prepared. They know how to shoot spares. They're not afraid to make adjustments. They're not afraid to fail. And it just, it just takes you to a whole other level when you have that ability and everyone's working together and no one is, is um, ever really out of it. Because if they are, they're running down, seeing where other people are playing, they're relating it back and forth. I mean, it's just, I couldn't be prouder with everyone right now. Now, now I'm glad you mentioned Nick Hoagland, because I think you have the Hoosier Classic 
is coming up pretty soon, and that's really one of the premier collegiate events, I believe, right? Yes, it is. We haven't gotten there for a few years, but Chase has been begging uh, since he got here to get in. We've been on the waiting list, and we finally got in, and we're so excited to be going back there. Um, it's going to be a true measure of where we're really at as a team because we are the only team that goes back and forth um, over Christmas to the East Coast for Allentown and Vegas. We, we pretty much know what's across the nation, but in the Midwest, where, where they're just so phenomenal, and there's so many programs, uh, we haven't been there in a while to actually gauge where we're at. And, and I think um, uh, I probably will not be making the trip, but we do have Brian Macon back there to coach. And um, he was an All-American of mine years ago. He works back there and, and basically my voice of reason anyways when it comes to um, the stability of the team and, and relating how I am to others because that could get distorted sometimes. <laughs> and, and with FaceTime, you know, you maybe you don't need to be there. Maybe this is the new wave of, of coaching for you. You never know. <laughs> I honestly believe that is. I mean, I, I feel, I, I, like I said, I felt this weekend was the pinnacle of my coaching career. It was just so much uh, more than me being engaged. I really can't sit in one spot and stay on top of them when I'm there because it's just who I am. I just have trouble sitting still. And, and with the phone, I, I just never I, – I don't think I missed a shot all weekend. So, Jordan, what advice do you have for someone in high school and maybe they're trying to pick out which program is going to fit them the best to, uh, to help them improve their game and, and help them to get to their goals on the, on the bowling side of things? Well, first, nobody I, – I will not do anything. If you don't want to be here for the major that you're going to be in, school comes first for my guys. Uh, and by, with that, I mean, uh, ASU for a bowling school has one of the best engineering programs, um, their, their business school, uh, journalism. I've never had a guy graduate without a job lined up before their last semester or during their last semester. So that, mm -hmm. that's a real big concern of mine is that they're going to stay. Because when they come through the door, I, I already have a four-year, actually a five-year plan for them as a bowler. And through that, I mean, you have to be committed to the school first because it is a process getting better. You're going to fail at each level until eventually, you know, four years later, the lanes just seem easier in college because you've seen it over and over again. It's just a process of time, and I'm not all about that minute. So with the high school kids, when they're trying to get better or, or they come down, they want me to make adjustments to their game. I'm like, just how do you know what, how good your game is going to be? Let it develop. Learn what, what you fail at. Make that not a liability until eventually becomes your game. I don't believe in having an A game, B game, C game, D game. So I'm not big on those type of adjustments. I'm big on adding things and teaching things like uh, grip pressure, more tilt, less tilt, um, feeling the ball down at the foul line, at, at the dots and the arrows by being lined up on one spot. So you can do a whole bunch of things and, and build your game. And then if there's something seriously wrong, we'll correct it, you know, basically right away. And that's just a couple minute thing. It's not add to your game, keep on going, 100 shots, uh, don't keep score. Um, I don't believe in that because if you're teaching someone to do something and they're not keeping score, how do you know if they made the right move at the right time? They might do a double nuts, but just ignore it, and they leave a practice saying, uh, that felt great, I feel great. But the result of bowling is the score tells you how you're bowling. Okay, it's not feel. So you, you might felt great, but you might have missed three moves, and that's a difference of 60 pins in, in a, in a three-game set. So um, that's pretty much how I – you've actually uh, been with our practices. You know how that goes. And, and the other thing is we don't leave a practice until you shoot 250. 
to leave. So uh, tournaments are won later in the day, not at the beginning. So if you know there's not a condition in the world that you're not going to leave there with a 250 at the end, you're going to figure it out. And it's just the positive part and putting people in the zone. If you practice, you know, where it matters just as much as anything else, uh, you're going to develop a system where you can put yourself into a zone. And that's a created uh, environment. You just don't automatically get there. Hey, I have, hey, Jordan, I've got a question for you now. A little bit along the yeah. lines of, you know, where, where did you pick this up? A lot of people uh, know you as a coach, but, you know, I recently saw, and, and this uh, goes way back. I'm going to take you back into, uh, go back a few decades. You're old, I'm old. That's how I know, because I remember <laughs> the Kidlets of America. So talk a little yeah, bit yeah. about the Kidlets of America and Jordan Nasberg as a bowler, not as a coach. Okay, well, um, in uh, New Year's Eve 1988, we had a party at my house, uh, a Christmas party, with um, people like uh, Jimmy Johnson, Dave Wodka, uh, Mike Lichtstein, Patrick Allen, Eddie Gallagher, um, Johnny Santiago, John Monez, uh, oh, man, uh, Chris Bialy, me, um, and uh, Chris Ribstock, uh, Sean Hool. And, and basically, um, what we decided was uh, that every uh, tournament we go to, we're going to root for each other, we're going to care about each other, and we're never going to quit. And the person with most money at that tournament gets a kidlet title. And I think throughout that year, we um, we made close to three hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars. Lichtenstein won the high wow. award. It was all yeah. Uh, Patrick Allen, who was just like seventeen or eighteen at the time. Made thirty, forty thousand. We have Bialik. It was just, it was just a way we, we felt we were the best twenty-one and unders in, in, in the nation, mm-hmm. and that we 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 joined together and branded. I mean, we had honorary kidlets uh, who was a PBA member at the time, or just turned Danny Weissman. We had Jason Couch, um, uh, Brian Himmler. I mean, it was just uh, whether we liked each other or not off the lanes, we loved each other, and we all loved bowling. Jim Lee, unfortunately, is no longer with us too. He. Um, he was one of our uh, our group, and, and what we do is uh, you, you had to report your scores. You, had to, you could never quit. There was just certain things that we just loved the game. And, and if you look at it today, I think every one of us is still somewhere in the game doing something where we're giving it back. I know Viali was good payer. They donated. Uh, they they sponsor a lot of things. They've done great things mm-hmm. for the PBA. Um, I mean, Litch team was uh, probably the best the team baller of the '90s with the World Team Challenge. One of them. Um, it was just great. And actually, uh, like Viali and I were talking about, possibly uh, we all adopt someone new and start a new one, you know, for the next generation of 2100. Mm. Just, um, mm. We just love the sport. I mean, if you look at it, probably each one of us, 90% of our friends after high school are all related to bowling. I mean, that's the greatest thing about bowling is we could just walk into a bowling center anywhere in the world and possibly have a new best friend in five minutes. I mean, think about how many people in your life are, are not related to bowling. That's a very good point, yeah, Jordan. I want to yeah. hit on something that you, you brought up there, and that's never quitting. How many times these days does it frustrate you and frustrates me when you go out and you see someone, they're at a tournament or even sometimes even league, and they're, they're, they try to con- or they do consider themselves one of the, the higher, in, in their mind, they're one of the higher-end players out there, but right. yet you see them throwing off shots and not trying every shot. 
What sort of example is that? And talk about what is there a difference these days in some of the younger players who do that, or yeah. is that just something they're, they're just bad? This you know, some someone taught them that along the way. Well, yeah, actually, that, that that's a major, major pet peeve of mine. The worst thing in the world is when you, I hear someone bitch that that they shot six thirty, hitting the pocket thirty three times, never missed, and the guy on this pair shot seven eighty, throwing the ball everywhere. And, and, and I'm like, well, obviously seven eighty's out there. The object knocked the pins over. Not, the, I mean, my rule of bowling is first hit the pocket, second figure out how to strike based on scoring pace. Don't give up the pocket if it's tough. But if there's 780 out there, you didn't bowl well. You're mistaking hitting the head pin or hitting the pocket for bowling well. Again, that goes back to the way I practice with my guys. That that you throw the ball. Um, you know, uh, it's not how you feel. It's the results that matter. And, and the people that that look that way, they're negative. I mean, that guy's going to leave there, or, or the kids nowadays going to leave there. My, my, my biggest, even beyond that, is a kid bowls a JBT or, or whatever, and they miss the cut. And, and then they leave, or, or it's back to their parents' time, and, and they get out of there. Part of the kid lit's theory was if you miss the cut, you get a pair down there, and, and you were supposed to be there till the end of the tournament, or at least the, the start of the finals. So you don't leave until that. That's still your time. You're still working, whether you're in the tournament or not. And, and you figure out a way to at least score to whatever it would have taken to get to the finals. And that's where the real work is. And I love the game for that. But it, it kills me. Well, exactly like you just said, where someone gets out there and, and they basically quit. Or, or they say, well, it wasn't their day. Well, it's not going to be their day the next time if you don't go out there and figure out a better chance to improve for the next time it, again it's a process like if you go back to the old days on tour uh i think walter uh all the all the guys it took almost 100 tournaments before they had hundred thousand dollars parker all these guys it's a process of learning and if you're not going to stay there and learn i mean why bother being there you're not going to get better by just saying it was a bad day analyze it go out there actually perform and, and the game stay there learn it's a bad day. All right, that's all time to learn. Don't don't quit. I mean, I I can't I can't handle that. And you never see any of my kids ever act like that for that reason because they're there because they love the game. Hey, final question I have for you, Jordan. And uh, thanks for bringing up all these good points. And this is a bit of an assumption, so correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it seems like you put a lot more uh, into the coaching aspect into uh, like stuff that doesn't isn't aligned specifically with uh, like a, say just a specific technique, you know, like your arm swing should be this way or your footwork should be this way or your, like you go beyond the physical game and work a lot more into strategy right. and the mental game and that kind of stuff. It sounds like, is that safe to say? Yeah, that's a hundred percent safe. Like Jacob, when he came to me uh, in the beginning, far off, his characteristic is when he needs it, he runs fast, throws it slow, hits up on it. And it's usually a double knock uh, late in the game. Because that, that's his characteristic. So, like, what, what we did with that, he'd move a board and a half right when he would need it to cover his characteristic. Instead of trying to correct that, that's who he is. We, we just adjust into it. So, um, I believe that characteristics, uh, most people will, will, will leave things over and over again when they need it. And, and if you analyze it properly and you adjust to it until, like I said, it's not a liability, why am I going to change something about that? And the fact that the way I see the game, because I don't look at their form, I don't look at, I look at the results and if they could do that, if you can play um, like here, standing on six, looking at two, 
is four boards apart. Okay. If that's your, I call them short numbers and the lanes in front of you. If you're standing on 12, looking at eight, isn't that the exact same thing? In my mind it is. It's the exact Mm -hmm. same four boards, but no one sees it that way. So when Mm -hmm. you simplify the game to the almost degree, I mean, it's almost uh, like, like if you ever read anything, I write uh, something uh, remedial, but that's how I see the game. And eventually, it adds to your freeing up to, to making moves and adjustments that allow you to get to the next adjustment. Or if the adjustments don't work, it, two, two adjustments don't work, it's a ball change. It's just that simple, the way I make it. And, um, yeah, I mean, and I do have a seek help, though. When there is a problem with someone's game, I'll take them to Andrew Tain. I'll take them to Mike Jazz. Now, I, I bring in coaches that, that will help with the things I'm not good at. Because to me, that doesn't matter if there's a serious flaw. There are so many amazing coaches out there that work on the things I don't work on. And, and mm-hmm. I'm happy. And, and I, I bring them on like Jazz now. I brought one of my players up to last year, and he made the cut at the tat right away. Um, and, Andrew came for years with helping. Mike Haugen, uh is more like me, but he gets more into the physical too occasionally. So, um, like I said, my weak spots are covered because there are great coaches out there that can work on, on the actual physical part if there's a problem, but I don't force it once they, 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 they learn. But from that lesson, I don't force them to put anything in their game. Either it works or it doesn't, but there's three different ways to make it work. And we'll go from that. So, yeah, I, I think that's um, very important. The way I, I teach to have coaches that do work on the physical problems and, and uh, for, for the below 190 averages that I haven't developed, uh, I definitely have other people come in and help with, with them. Well, very insightful stuff, Jordan. This was a, a, a hopefully everyone got as much out of this as I did. Lots of great insight, lots of great perspective on coaching and bowling and on everything. So uh, all the best of luck to the AFU folks uh, that are heading back east to bowl, uh, bowl the Hoosier Classic. And um, and uh, hope you're getting uh, – get your back. It's a little bit better so you can get out there and coach them on the lanes. Although it may be better to just stay and watch Facebook Live. I think so too. Hey, guys, you're the best. I love your show. I've, I've been – going to your uh, site and, and playing all the old uh, interviews. I love them. They're amazing. And thank you very much.